to the Sojourn Church podcast. We are glad you are here, and thanks for listening. As a church, we exist to exalt and enjoy the supremacy of Jesus Christ in all things, equip the saints, and extend the gospel to all people by reproducing disciples and churches for the glory of God. More information about the life and mission of Sojourn Church can be found at SojournTulsa.org. That's S-O-J-O-U-R-N, Tulsa.org. So when we turn to Philippians chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 21 through 30. Um, and again, this is uh, this one uh, big passage, uh, one scripture that uh, stands out, a very well-known section a statement from Paul, um, and it uh, last week I, I kind of brought it up, um, saying that I wanted you to think through this this idea of to me to live is fill in the blank, and we know that Paul answers that by saying for 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 my life to me to live is Christ, and so for us to think through um, that, and so I threw that out to you guys last year, and man, God has been throwing things in my face. Little bitty things from like little bitty desires, like if you're not careful, like that, that could easily become a fill, fill in that blank with that. And so um, that, that's the things that, that God wants us to consider in this as he gave this to Paul. So I, I actually titled this uh, message, uh, it may say on the slide there, Three Verses Defying Current American Christianity. Um, and that may sound very obtrusive and very rude, but, but truly just... It's verses that we're going to see in this, this section that, um, that defy not, not just American culture that's lost, but truly inside the church even. Um, verses that really don't have a home inside the church anymore. Um, and so you're going to see that. And that's, that's, not to make, that's, not, that's not to try to throw blame or throw guilt. You're, you're, not, you're not bad or evil or guilty because you live in America. That was God's sovereign desire for you. He, he sovereignly sent you to the parents or the family or the, the town, the city that you live in. God has sovereignly designed those things. So that's, that's a blessing. Um, so we're going to see that. Um, but this is a life-altering, kind of paradigm-shifting type section. Just so you'll know, um, I, I want you to know, it's probably going to seem a bit extreme, but it, but it has to. Um, this is because of our current context, our current American culture, but also our current Christian culture. And I hope that you'll kind of just walk with me through that. Um, it's often um, that in our current Christian culture, sometimes what happens is we can identify more as American than we do with the gospel. And that's not throwing shame to patriotism. So don't walk away going like, oh, you're against the country. And nothing at it. Again, we, we are one of the most blessed nations ever in the history of the world. Um, incredibly blessed. But what happens when the tendency, when you've been living in the tendency of just a lot of blessing, 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 and it becomes to go, it's so much about me that now it's idolatrous. And so that's a danger when you're, when you're living in, in, in much of that. And so... Inside the church, it shouldn't be that way. So even the introduction can seem rude. But it would be unfaithful for me to present Paul's message here and try to flip it to mean something else or to try to flip it so that it will not be confrontive and possibly convicting. Um, add to that, I'm reading like three or four books right now on just idolatry. So, so idolatry, what's going on in our, our own, not, not only the American culture at large, what's going on in the world, but then also particularly um, in Christian, weird Christian culture, but then our, the Bible Belt culture. And so 
This flies right in the face of that. I mean, so, so remember, we're sitting here, and Paul's writing this from a, a prison. And at times it's a dank, stinky, cold, wet prison. Like, it's not a nice situation. And, and then there's times when he's tied a chain to a, a Roman guard. Not, not a nice guy, kind of a brutus, rough guy. Probably just hits him every once in a while just because he can, right? And so um, Paul's message here is extreme and offensive to anyone with a human heart. This isn't to say, um, hey, you're, you're wrong because you're, you're living in your situation. Even throughout all centuries, maybe ours even more so. So three verses defying current American Christianity. I mean, and this could be Western Christianity. I'm just saying, we have. I'm not speaking, I, I don't try to do blogs and stuff to reach all of 50 states. I know our own current area. I know our own Bible Belt area. Uh, we go to Metro, so it's a Christian school. And so I just know people around us. I know the families that I'm around 95% of the time. Um, it, it's a very bubbly Bible Belt, um, Bible Belt buckle. We're the center of that. And so our thinking um, and so these three verses kind of defy that. And so the first one is this verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That, that's the biggest part of this. Okay. Again, you could take that and go for me to live is fill in the blank and just be honest with yourself. Again, God, so I said that last week to you guys, God has been popping stuff up like, right, and I'm like trying to, like, no, I, I wasn't even, you know, I don't even, I, I don't really think about that that much, and God is just popping things in my head and going like, man, be careful there. The second one, very difficult verse, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, verse 27, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Is my manner of life worthy of the gospel of christ that, that's pretty difficult too right that's another kind of slap in the face the third one is for it has been granted to you like this good thing that for the sake of christ you should not only believe period just just put a period there just put a period paul stop the sentence oh no it's not just believe that you also may suffer for his sake man that, that grows churches right that sells books do you see what I mean? Not one in a thousand of a Christian bestseller books, not one in a thousand talk about those three things, right? There's a reason 17 million copies of your best life, your best, greatest, most comfortable, most pleasurable life now, not eternally, not, not you, you selling out for the kingdom, but sell out for this life now for your own just good feelings and for all the pleasures of this world. Your best life is now 17 million, 20 million. One of a thousand don't make it talking about these verses. So, so just know that, so this isn't just saying you trying to be rude. This is Paul saying this in a, in a culture that, that was much like ours. So think through. The three main points that I would tie to that is the next slide just showing connecting those ideas and i would say that first sentence there for me to live as christ to die is gain what changed was paul was captivated in christ alone so the first main point is paul's going i'm captivated in christ alone the second one the second main point tied to that second verse verse 27 you also philippian church i've been captivated by christ you also be captivated in christ alone i know there's all these things. I know there's these things that attach to your heart. I know there's these things that, that you want to live for. And some of these things are natural and normal, 
but, but be captivated you in Christ alone. But then, he gives this honest, transparent thing that if you become captivated, the third point is captivation is worthy of cost. If you become captivated in Christ, it's worthy of the cost that goes with it. So, um, that's, that's tied to that last verse there. Um, so, why would I make such a pointed and rude statement there? That, you know, that this, is, this is difficult. I'm going to be confrontive. Uh, number one, and I don't have slides on this, but I've got three little things that, that, just, uh, that, that puts us in our context. First of all, our version in the Western church, our version of Christianity assumes the highest worldly pleasures and conveniences and comforts and riches and accomplishments. Okay, it, our, our Western Christianity, it assumes that some of the most high worldly pleasures and conveniences and comforts and riches and accomplishes, and here's the kicker, without any expectation of suffering. Right? So, so I purposely wore this shirt. I've never wore this shirt before. good friend of mine gave me this shirt, so you don't even know. Like, I didn't even know. So first of all, it's got this. So I'm talking about Paul saying, for me to live is Christ. And deny all these other things. So this is a master shirt. This is from Augusta National. I, I got invited one time to go. I thought the guy was lying. So I, did, I was like turned him down and just played golf in Salisaw. Sure enough, he was real. He was serious. He was taking like three guys to the masters. And like they come back with all this stuff. I got a towel and a head cover. I was like, I'm an idiot. Like why didn't I go? Like a once in a lifetime chance. And so, um, but this friend, he, he gave me this shirt. And so um, uh, I'm saying that to you, talking about one of the most prestigious so, so, so I'm, and the reason I wore this purposely is like, I want you to see me immersed in this shirt. And, and when I say that about pleasures, conveniences, comforts, riches, uh, we normally want those. You're not evil because you want to provide for your family and to have money to provide for your family. You're not evil to have a house. You're not evil to live in America. You're not evil um, to, 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 to work hard, work hard, and work hard, and to have accomplishments. That, that's not the deal at all. So sometimes when I make my ext extreme statements, just like Paul's stuff and just like Jesus, I don't do a good job of saying, here's what I'm not saying, okay? But at the same time, I want us to think through this. It's good and natural to want to provide some level of these things. So, so, so pleasure. Do we, do we take vacations and go and sit in the sand or sit in, in the snow or to go at a place that you just love where you just get a, to take a hike, to go to some beautiful place, some, some pleasurable things. You may go to, uh, to a spa to get your nails done, to get your fingernails done. Uh, to, to whatever that looks like to you, right? To get your hair done, uh, whatever that is. Conveniences. Do you, you, you purposely get a room for 89 or 129 or 159 or 259 for that matter versus the, the $49 Motel 6 when you're traveling? Yeah, like it's convenient and it's also a little pleasurable to do that, right? It, it's convenient for you to drive. We don't go, hey, you're evil because you're driving uh, uh, whatever car. You should be walking. You know, you're using up all the gas. You're, 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 look how convenient and idolatrous. No, that's, that's not what it's saying. But without any exception of suffering is the, the kicker here. Um, because Paul just said otherwise, to expect suffering. And, and, and I'm just saying, I really don't. I, I want more of these. I would like to go to the Masters five times from now on. I would like to be in really comfortable situations. That doesn't necessarily make me evil, Unless I do all that, blinding myself to immediate needs of people right in front of me and not thinking about the kingdom. Not, not even 1% of my thinking about the kingdom of, of heaven. 
Because in Luke 12, he, he makes this very pointed uh, uh, position to this guy to say, you're, you're living for all these things and you're not living for the kingdom of God. And I would say in our American Christianity, that's what's been happening. Um, and, and as easily as it's, it's the water that we, we swim in if we're fish, or it's the clothes that we wear, like me, saying this confrontive, uh, antithetical message, wearing a master shirt. So it, it, it's as comfortable as the clothes we wear without even realizing it. And, and, and so it's going to seem extreme. Um, the second one is this. Our version of Christianity, our Western Christianity, assumes we can live with my own desires as the driving center. This is a big one. My own desires as the driving center as long as we acknowledge that a God exists and as long as we acknowledge the Jesus guy. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, he died on the cross. I know, I know, I know. He died on the cross. He died for sins. So do you see the juxtaposition of those two things? I'm living as the driving center of my life, my desires, my dreams, all this stuff, and I just admit on, oh, I got, I got saved, I asked Jesus into my heart, I got saved, I had the sinner's prayer, but I'm still the driving force of my life. I'm still in control, autonomous. I'm not going to allow God to, to convict me on things that I, I should have out of my life, to, to mortify and kill sins, to be obedient with, with my time, to be obedient with my resources, to be obedient with the way I treat people, to the way I look at people. Nope, nope. I'm, I'm keeping all that the same. But of course, I know God exists, and of course Jesus died on the cross. Everyone in, in Oklahoma knows that. And I'm saying we exist in that without understanding that, that there's, there, you can't live that way and think that you're just a solid Christian. Um, it's Satan's most powerful deceit in the Bible Belt when you put A and B together. I'm still autonomously in control. I will stay the way I am. I'm not going to change. I have these things about me that I choose to prefer, and I will enjoy all these things. But, well, oh, of course, I know God exists. I know Jesus died on the cross for our sins. False belief, tens of millions in America. And that's not even the 40 to 50 million that just walked out of the church in the last five to eight years. But that, that's just people that are still maybe attending churches every once in a while. So our version of Christianity assumes we can live with my own desires and as the driving center. And then the third one is our version of Christless Christianity has no room, no teaching, no understanding of deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and come and follow me. As Jesus taught was the normal path of following him. We have no concept of this form, so much so that a sermon that Paul gives his good godly desire for the church, and it comes across harsh and offensive and radical, right? That's where we sit, right? Why not more? Why not just a little bit more? Why not just a little bit more? Why not just a little bit more? And God goes, what you fill in that blank with, for me to live is, it will hook you, and it will turn into idolatry. And you will lie to yourself and you will be deceived. And Satan will use it to make you think that you're doing a great Christian job and you have no clue of 1% of what living for the kingdom of God means. And what's scary is we invest all this in this life not thinking of if, if we were to say no to a few things here and sacrifice for some other things and some other people for the kingdom of God in the future. That you're going to be blessed and, and, and gifted for, for those things in the future. So, Let's read this section 1, 21 through 30. Um, find this one. Paul says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, 
That means more fruitful labor, labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or if I'm absent, I may hear of, that, uh, uh, hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that is from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So Father, would you allow us to have enlightened, gospel-centered minds that would, for just a few minutes, remove us from our current context to think through just, just on a blank slate, what, what biblical Christianity is, what, what following Christ looks like, what that looks like for our corporate body, what that looks like for our individual lives, for the Holy Spirit to have an opened um, opportunity to scratch some of the hardness away. If, if our hearts want to defend, if our hearts want to be offended instead of convicted by these areas that, again, we swim in, we, we live in without even noticing it, Lord. Um, that the reason for that, that we would be different, that we would have a care and a concern and a compassion for the souls of men and women, that we would have a care and compassion for serving the people around us, for serving our own body, for caring for one another, for, as we talked about last week, loving one another in a different way, that this would lead to you being glorified. We ask for you to give us understanding in this and bring conviction bring those gifts of repentance and confession, and then bring renewal and rest in the gospel as we rejoice and worship you more as we experience these cycles in our life. In your name we pray, amen. So that first point there, um, as, as we're looking at it, um, Paul's saying, if I'm going to live on on this earth, it's, it's going to be for Christ. To me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. So we'll, we'll take that first section of just, for me to live is Christ. Um, He's saying, if, if I'm going to live on this earth, um, and if you notice in the letter what he's saying to those Philippians, they were highly concerned with him. So let me do a, a little reminder of the background. They were highly concerned. They'd sent this guy, Epaphroditus. Paul was trying to encourage them, saying, hey, I know you've heard about me being in prison for the gospel, but I wanted you to know it, it's worked out for the good. The gospel is spreading through all these people in, in this area. I, would, I know that you really want to see me. My plan is for, to come back and to visit you, is what he's saying. So that's what this letter brings up a couple times. And he says here, I know that God probably will allow me to come back and visit you. But even if I don't, if I'm going to live, it's all about Christ. And so let, let's look at that first idea there. That um, What does it mean to live is Christ? And what he's saying there is something's changed inside of him. Um, first of all, um, it, it's living in the new identity in our union with Christ. And for us, we have to think through our new identity in Christ. So if you talk about new identity, you talk about um, for me to live as Christ, what, what does that mean, Sankey? I, I think I'm trying to do a good job of that. 
well, we have to go first of all to a couple places. So let's go to Galatians two twenty, and I don't have the I don't have the um, uh, verses on this on the screen. But we'll just read Galatians 2.20. Many of you guys, if you went through um, any kind of topical memory system or a memorization thing, Galatians 2.20 and 2 Corinthians 5.17 are two of the first ones that you probably memorize. When you get saved, uh, this is is describing what has happened. So Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. So it's no longer I who live. So what's the picture of baptism that we just celebrated with those uh, uh, the pack girls last, last couple of weeks? So I've been crucified with Christ. Dead to sin. I was living, I was upright, standing upright, walking in sin, opposed to God, separated from God of my sins, but I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. So something new has happened. It's a new identity. It's all based in your union with Christ. And there's so much just on our union with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Now the life that I now live, I live in Uh, that I live in the flesh, I live now by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, my identity is in what Christ has accomplished for me. The gospel is the driving force. So remember what I said earlier about how I can just still, I can go, oh yeah, I I prayed this prayer. Here's a popular one in America right now. Um, And it's from these, they they try to be Christian books, but it's not. It's just, it's pop psychology. It's, I want a better life. I want a better life. Um, just maybe admit God exists. Well, along with that, I don't want to be rude, right? So, so I, the people of Muslim faith, their God must exist also. People of Buddhist faith, their God must exist also. People of um, uh, Hindu faith, their, their, their gods must exist also. We don't want to be exclusive and say Christ is the only way. So do you see a problem there? That's not Christian thought. That's just, I want a new life, and I want to be a spiritual person. That's real popular right now. And this is saying, no, no, no. It's all, the life I live, it's Christ that has changed me. And we're okay to kind of say, I want new life, but I don't want to be exclusive about just following Christ, that Christ is the only way. And that, that's, that's going to be more and more for your kids, for the younger generations, to, to be okay with an exclusive type mentality. 2 Corinthians 5.17, it's kind of the same thing um, um, where Paul says, uh, again, it's one of those that you, you probably know that 5.17 through 21 is a really powerful part says in 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So the old has passed away. And we want to go, I ask Jesus into my heart, so I have eternal security. I think I'm going to go to heaven now. I'm going to live my life for the same goals, same purposes, same desires. I'm not, going to, I'm not, I'm not open to being changed I'm not expecting to have to repent. I'm not expecting, I, I, I think I did this repentance when I said, yeah, I'll accept Jesus. It's kind of like the story of the old man. You know, they ask him like, uh, hey, your wife comes in counseling and she's just breaking down in tears saying that's been 40 years of marriage. She just doesn't feel like you, you love her anymore from the way you've treated her for 40 years. And, and the, the old guy says, well, on the day that you know, we got married, I told her I loved her. I never told her anything since. I thought I'd let her know if that ever changed. Like That's our mentality and sentimentality about getting saved or asking Jesus into our heart. We've got this, this little card in our pocket like, well, I did this, but there's never really been any life change for a lot of people. And so this is saying, no, um, I've completely been changed. My new identity is based in Christ. And so that union with Christ is everything, following Christ more closely. So a disciple is what? Just a learner. So if, are you a disciple of Christ? 
I'm trying to, as I talk with lost people or talk to people just around, even Christians, I'm trying to think through instead of using the word Christian, like instead of are you a Christian, but like are you following Christ? Because then people are like, oh, I don't know about that. If you ask someone like, so are you a Christian? Well, yeah, like did you not know I grew up in church? Well, I haven't gone in 25 years, but like I grew up in church back in, you know, Mustang or something. And you're like, but you haven't gone for 25 years? Yeah, but I got saved back then. Well, what do you do now? And they, they can list the, the craziness that they, and the chaos that they live in and the pools of sin that they just enjoy. And they're like, well, I'm a Christian. Don't, don't be judgmental. And like, oh, are you following Christ? Oh, no. No, I'm, I'm just a Christian. And so do you see the breakdown in our terms? So thinking through, a, a, a disciple is a learner of Christ, a follower of Christ. It means abiding. So what's abiding? Abiding is killing sin, walking in the Spirit instead of walking in the flesh. And so Paul says, to live is Christ. I'm abiding in Christ. I'm following Christ. I'm learning Christ's thinking and His ways. I'm killing sin, killing temptation, and, and following in the Spirit. My desires, my goals, a lot, they've been changed because now I see the kingdom of God. I see two things that are going on from this world. This is not going. These chairs aren't going. Your car's not going. Your bank account's not going. Your house isn't going. Whatever it is, two things are going on. The souls of men and women and God's eternal word. That's what the Bible says. The only two things that's going on from this world to the new heaven. So think through that. Like, man, you don't want to be bulked up trying to carry this stuff. And they're just like, hey, none of that's going in, right? You've been living for all of that. What made you think that you're going to enjoy heaven? You haven't been enjoying the center of heaven. The reason for heaven is God. And so um, then when you think about that, that's all about just you. Um, my, my union and identity in Christ means I'm abiding, I'm following Christ, enjoying Him also, and then flowing out of those two, it's, it's how do you treat others then? So to live is Christ, not only for my own soul, but also for the people of others. I'm going to be naturally sharing about Christ. I'm going to be naturally talking about that. And not, again, not in some weird way where you, know, you have three seconds in an elevator and you're supposed to like, hey, um, uh, do you know the four spiritual laws? Hey, if you were to die right now, would you go to heaven? Like, you don't have to do that. I'm not saying that God can't use those. But, but like for you to actually care about people, to, to actually take the time with people, and so to love people. To, what about this? To look at people differently. You, you care about people that you previously would have never cared about. There's this others-orientedness. Um, so, notice his perspective here is, this is for your soul, your growth. In verses 24 and 25, he says, I, I think I'm kind of probably going to remain in the flesh, and that's more necessary on your account. He says, convinced of this, I, he feels that God's going to allow him to remain and live. He says, I know I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and your joy in the faith. So Paul's mindset there is I'm going to be filled up with abiding in Christ. Christ is the center of my life. And from that, God's love to me overflows into love for others. And I'm going to be serving you. I'm going to be um, growing with you guys. And so um, the danger of complacency. What if there is this danger of complacency? Um, it's twofold. Number one, with our own soul and with our own life and our own satisfaction. But then secondly, it's the eternal life of so many who are just right in front of us. And Paul's saying, for those who truly become captivated in Christ, they actually find flourishing, this fountain of life-giving satisfaction. Um, and, and when we begin to truly align our hearts and lives aiming at eternal things, the kingdom of God we're more fulfilled and more satisfied than when we're checking the box of those things that, that I thought I wanted. I worked for two or three months 
or two or three years to get this thing, and now it's just this thing that sits. Just this thing that sits. Just this thing that sits. Um, if you have little children and you go to certain places, you'll, you'll have things, you know, they, they, they have all this toys and junk and stuff, and they, they, they're crying, throwing a fit, wanting this thing, it's so good, and sometimes it doesn't even make it out of the van, right? Like they play with it for three minutes or 30 seconds, and they, they were willing to die on the mountain of having this little toy, and it doesn't make it out of the vehicle when you get home. It's just trash and junk. And, and we, we don't think as adults we're the same way with stuff. Some people will like, hey, you know what? I want a new me, or I want a new whatever that is. And they will work for months or even a year to get that, and they finally attain it, and then they realize, man, I've worked all that, and it's, it's not even fulfilling. It's not even satisfying. It's just producing more time labor for this object that I thought was going to be so fulfilling. Um, and God's going, if you had your life on the kingdom, not only on the daily and weekly enjoyment of, of walking with Christ, but it would also overflow into a love for others and so that would be a huge difference um paul saying that if he goes on living he wants his life to count for something and he says it's going to be more fruitful labor more fruitful fruitful labor um that's a great challenge that's a great opportunity for us intentional labor meaning am i going to spend my life I'm trying to think through getting the gospel to other people. Does that even matter to me? And Paul's saying, that should be the, the center point. Now, I know that's a, that's a big leap for most American Christianity. That, that We haven't seen that. But would it scare you to know that through the centuries, that was the clear identifier of this is true Christianity? And to know that we think that, oh, no, that, that's probably just for pastors and full-time ministry people. The rest of us, we're in this 99% that, that that's not really kind of the, 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 the thing that we're living for or the thing that's really on our plate. And so to see people the, 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 the flip that, to be able to go, man, are you concerned about the souls of people there? Are you concerned about your own soul flourishing in this? Um, so again, are we, are we fighting complacency or are we even aware of this temptation of complacency? It leads to a kind of a self-centered, just me, me, me Christianity. Uh, complacency to the point our own spiritual lives are dull and cold and there's a complacency to the point that we don't even care about the souls of people right in front of us um and again it's not that people are opposed to those ideas it's people identifying as a christian who are not opposed to the idea of believing in god they're not opposed to believing in the cross and even jesus and even that more specifically that jesus died for sins that just never changed them it never captured them. They, they're, they're not captivated by that. They're not amazed by that. They're not brokenhearted over their sin on a continual basis and amazed at what Christ has done. Um, they're not opposed to those things, but it never really changed them. So that's the first thing he's getting to in that, that, that for me to live is Christ. And notice that, that interestingly, Paul is saying, um, which should I choose there in verse 22? Um, I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ. Notice he's saying, my desire, I love Christ so much, I would rather die now and be with Christ. And he's literally facing, um, he's literally facing death. So he knows, like the talk is, this is probably three to four years after he's been there in prison Rome. And from day one, it was like, we captured you and you're causing all kinds of problems. This new little sect of believers, uh, you Jews are always causing problems. He's like, oh, this isn't Jewish. 
this is the master of the world here. This is the, the creator. This is the redeemer. And like, yeah, you're even crazier than we thought. We don't know what to do with this guy because he is a Roman citizen. And so all these rules they have to go through. And, and, and they're going, hey, we don't even know how to handle this situation. And, and Paul is saying, this is um, to the point where I would be willing to die on a cross. And so he, he's facing death on a cross. And going, I, that would be greater for me. Because to die is gain. And so I think that I'm going to go ahead and go on living, which is going to be for your benefit. I'm going to continue to minister to you. So a completely different mind shift than we have. If I'm going to live, it's for all of my dreams, desires, comfort. That's what, that's what we're filled with. This idea, if I'm going to live, it's for all my dreams and desires and comforts. I don't know really how Christ fits into that, but to die and depart, well, I guess I'll just be judged on how nice I was. And how I compared with really bad people. That, that's the, the majority of people that you talk to in our area. If you talk to them about heaven or hell, and they clearly like, well, we, we don't really go to church. But I mean, I, we, I grew up in church. So just think about that. It'd be like, hey, I was married to Jane for 10 years. It's been 30 years since I've lived with her and talked to her. But I was married to her for 10 years, though. But for 30 years, I've enjoyed life and pursued everything without her. You think I would be showing a lot of love towards her you think i understand what being her husband you think people would see like oh that's a clear picture that you really love her not at all that's foolishness right and that that's where we live that's where we live right you you get the shirt i'm wearing the shirt that says i identify with this but you don't even have any kind of understanding and so he says you also I've been captivated in Christ. You also be captivated in verses 20 and 28. So, so you Philippians, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So he's said, for me, it is captivating Christ. For How about you, Philippian church? And so God's word goes on spe specifically uh, to the Philippian church, but God's word goes on to 2023. How about you, Sojourn Church? What, what is your life captivated by? Is your, what's your manner of life look like? Is it worthy of the gospel of Christ? Now, what we don't want to do is to say, hey, if you live a certain way and live by certain tight rules and do so good, you're deserving of salvation. That's not what this is. Paul's not saying that at all, right? We know that, that it, it, your, your salvation is by grace alone. It's through faith alone. It's grace alone, only in Christ alone, in his works. Not if you live good enough, at the end you're going to be judged. You can say, I think I live good enough. My manner of life was worthy of what Christ did. That's not what Paul's saying. You can't live good enough, keep the rules good enough, be moral enough, be um, generous enough to earn what Christ has done. And so he's not saying that we can't live lives like that. But he says, here's my definition of that. Standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So again, he's saying it should be characterized, your life, and, and, and the gospel is shown in your life. Um, standing firm, that assumes that there's something that's putting pressure against you. So he's saying, Philippian church, I know what it's like to go through trials and, and people oppressing me. So oppressors coming and doing harm to me. He said, you're going to have to stand firm in the gospel. You're standing firm in one spirit. So he's not just talking about individuals. He's talking about as a church, in a culture. So think through our 2023 2024, 24, hey, good news, 2024 election year. Is everyone ready? 
we love election year. You know, just man, I hope they add a couple more apps that people can just follow people on. Right? Uh, it, it just gets nuts. Like I mean, you can't even do Saturday Night Live skits to keep up with the craziness that goes on. And so um, here, here's in, in our world with all that stuff going on, with all the financial crisis, with all the the things that are going on in, in wars and uh, atrocities that are happening, and then our culture that just seems like it's just more and more anti-biblical. Paul, Paul's going, hey, it's all right, church. Jesus has got you. I, I knew it was going to be this bad. I knew it was going to get this crazy. Let there be unity in you. Unity around the gospel. Not just unity for the sake of unity, but unity in Christ. That's what he said. That's what people will notice. When everyone else is screaming and arguing and fighting about all these different areas, and you're going, hey, we're going to show love. Even I, I, yeah, I disagree with him. Well, why aren't you all heated up about this? Yeah, I, I disagree with that also. But we want to show love. Yeah, it seems crazy to me. But man, we're going to continue to show love. Yeah, I should hate that person or I should you know, just dis- discard them in life. No, the gospel says, hey, you also be captivated in Christ changing you and you're willing to be changed by that ongoing with people that you wouldn't even care about in one, un- one spirit. So there's unity there. With one mind, the mind of Christ, striving. So there's this intentional effort side by side So that's the shoulder-to-shoulder mentality of the church. You guys, be shoulder-to-shoulder like an onward-moving soldier force in the gospel. So it's a force of love, not a force of power or sword, but of love. Striving side by side. So we see how this letter, 2,000 years old, is so relevant for us today. And that last one, um, and that, that, that point I just hit on there, it's only the gospel of Christ. Only this Jesus guy that would allow you and I to truly understand that our lives are not our own. Um, for me to live as Christ, it will mature and live out, the people who live that out, that type of depth and care and unity and love as a church culture in a period of disunity and complacency and division and dropout that I've been talking about. So, so I've said, we're, we're in a place of, in the church, complacency. I've said, tons of people are dropping out. I've said, there's tons of disunity, and we just keep addictively letting more people influence us through algorithms of, oh, I identify with them, I hate them, I identify with them, I hate them. And instead of going like, no, 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 we're going to be different. I know that's the way of the world. I know that's the way of the church culture. We have a great opportunity. We don't have to look at it as, the, whoa, the, the sky is falling. The, the God is not in control. He must have taken a nap. And at the end here, it's really, really bad. Um, I read this morning uh, that there's this meteor that's coming Take a breath. It's hitting in like 2154. They said we have 150 years to work on this meteor. I was like, oh, okay, that feels better. Asteroid, I'm sorry. Meteor asteroid. I'm not a really great physicist. So anyway, with that, they've scooped off some stuff, some stuff, some some gravel off of it. I don't know how you do that um, from Salisaw. And so 28,000 miles an hour is how fast this thing's been traveling. So they went out and caught this asteroid, scooped off some dirt off of it. 28,000 miles an hour. They got it back today. Thank God, right? Because we have 150 years. They're going to decide what they need to do to deflect this thing. If that's what you're worrying about, 150 years, like I don't know, you know, like we, we just, there's so much out there that if you get caught up in all that, like instead of, hey, right in front of me, just this small group, how are we showing love? How are we showing care? How are we showing compassion? How are we encouraging one another? How are we building, how are we growing in our own uh, mortification of sin? So we can see how even in our immediate culture, our immediate situation, Philippian church, Sojourn church, you also be captivated in Christ more and more. And then that last thing that he brings out in 29 through 30, 
It's been granted to you. So the word granted is this beautiful pic- picture. Almost uh, in the Greek, it's almost this picture of kind of like you, like this, this high esteemed gift that you would never expect. Here, here's this wonderful thing. Hey, step over here. You've been selected. Come to door three. Behind door three is this beautiful gift that you'll be given. And oh, what is that? It's suffering. Here's the gift that you've been given. Now, so that, that's not normal for us to think through. If Jesus were to happen to teleport down, just kind of shock us all, um, and then said, hey, who's identifying with me? I'm going to walk this path of pain and suffering. How many would really go, I want to identify with that? Because a lot of people probably would. I, I think that if we saw him physically, um, now the Bible gives us understanding that there's a lot of people that saw it and was like entertained by it and kind of like, oh, that's pretty cool. Oh, that seems kind of extreme, but then, oh, no, I really don't want it, right? That happened repeatedly with Jesus. Like he, he knew our hearts. And so, but thinking through that, hey, here's this gift. There is a beautiful picture of those who go through different forms of suffering. And we all as Christians, Paul says, are going to go through that on, difficult, on different planes and different levels. We see in this the how and why Paul can say for me to live as Christ. He identifies so much, so he's got a different shirt on, right? The old is gone, the old is passed. I've got a new righteousness from Christ. I identify so much, I'm so captivated, whatever happens, put me on a cross. For the sake of Christ, so there's the the given, why you can say, for the sake of Christ, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. If I die, that's even I, I get to embrace him immediately. To live what, whatever comes, bring whatever you may. It's going to be about Christ. Isn't that hard to live in that mentality? If I go back to those things that I said at the first of this, that we're kind of consumed by these. Our version of Christianity assumes. Worldly pleasures, conveniences, comforts, accomplishments, without any expectation of suffering. You see, we have a chance to be different though. Now we don't go out trying to like suffer, like going and lay in the street with a sign on you, you know, on YouTube or something, like, you know, suffering for Christ. Like that that's not believe me. God knows how to take you through things. You, you can't outdo God on this. And he'll do it with personal, your life things. He'll do it with your children. He'll do it with family members. He'll do it with your workplace. He'll do it with your finances. He'll do it in lots of ways. Uh, when we were, when Jamie and I were dating, and I visited her in uh, Florida, um, there, she was at a college project. And it was, you know, like 70, 80 kids. And there was uh, college students that were all trying to share the gospel. And they had jobs that they were sharing the gospel on the beach and doing discipleship and all this. And so I visited for like three or four days, uh, me and a friend, and just got to go down there. We're hanging out, and there was a guy that was there, and he was a part of this ministry. Um, and he, and he, was, he was just a student, but he was kind of a really respected student. And so I got to kind of sit in, and we're at this little motel kind of condo thing. And there's like 15, 18 guys in here. And so like, like it's real serious, dude. Like, it's like real serious. And so we're sitting there, and you know, I'm just visiting. I haven't been with them. And I, I like this guy and everything. But he, he was talking to the crew, and he was leading this little Bible study. And so the doors open in this condo, and literally probably like 50 yards out there is the ocean and the beach and everything. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm highly distracted. I, I'm like the unspiritual guy out there. I'm, I'm, you know, everyone else is thinking about God. I, I've, I've got four days here. They've had, you know, 60 days. So I'm just like staring out there. And he's like, hey, yeah, guys, God gave me a clarity that I'm going to be a missionary God told me I'm going to be a missionary to the Muslims um, and I'm going to die for the faith. I'm going to be a martyr. And God's like, oh, bro, that's heavy. 
And so they're all doing that. I'm the unspiritual guy going like, oh man, sorry, sorry to hear that. Hey, are we going to go outside anytime soon? Like I'm the kid wanting recess, like the unspiritual, like the beach is just right there. Sorry to hear about that. Is it going to be soon? Because if you've got two or three years, we can probably all go out and get in the ocean. Now, and so, but, but he was doing that. You don't, you, you don't, you're not more spiritual. That guy had learned that, oh, these guys will think I'm really cool if I tell them I'm going to be a martyr. And uh, that guy sells insurance for like four fifty a year in like Florida now or something. So all these guys that were amazing, you know, like, oh, this guy's super spiritual and everything. Like it's like it's like, hey, you're doing that to impress people. That's not that's not what it's talking about. You you still are gonna live your life. You're gonna be you're gonna try to work hard to be successful to provide for your family. But also, what do you want to you want to provide for people that are not your family, that are your family in the faith. That with love and care, with with little bitty meals, with with helping serve, with with, with time. To, for them to be in your life. And that's hard. We, we want our life kind of privatized. We're moving more and more to a privatized life. And so to, to say, I'm going to open up time in my schedule for people, that, that's difficult. That's costly. So this, that third point there is, when you're living this way, captivation, it, it's worthy of the cost. Because why? Because like with Paul, for the sake of Christ, when I think through what He's done for me, it's everything. And I, want to, I, I, I owe my whole life to Him. I can't pay back. I'm not going to earn it or pay it back. But Christ has died for me. and That's everything to me. And that has changed me. And it's continuing to change me. Not just it changed me one time. So as we close, I want you to think through those aspects. And I'd say the last thing there, um, the walkaways. For some people, God is calling you to quit. To quit trying to keep autonomous reign over your life. God is calling you to surrender, maybe for the first time fully, because half-hearted doesn't apply with a guy like him. Half-hearted following Jesus does not apply. I remember being in my teen years, in my 20s, and always just having so much of this trying to live with one leg over in the world and live with one leg over here trying to follow Christ. Trying to follow Christ, and I was really trying to, but then, man, it didn't take a lot of temptation to get me to just live completely over here. And the lie is, in American Christianity, is that you can do both. Just don't do something really, really bad, right? Don't do something really, really bad. So what, what do you do? You start managing sin. You start trying to manage sin like you manage your finances and your business stuff and your, your other family situation, and that's not Christianity. So for some of you, he's, he's calling you to quit. It means to get real and stop playing polite game of Christianity. He wants all of you. You've been holding back, playing a game for years. It's miserable trying to live in both sides of the fence, in the world and then a little bit for Christ also. It probably would identify that you're not truly a believer. You haven't understood the gospel. For others, you need that first step of salvation. You're still in your sins. You still need the forgiveness of sins and the new life that Christ has talked about. You need to truly start following Christ. And then for others, if you are truly a believer, um, maybe this is just a call to you to recalibrate. You've gone off track. Maybe just living in complacency. Like I said, just living. And maybe you really did follow for a while and you were very zealous and very um, very uh, focused. And, and then just life and family and kids. And you get into your 30s or 40s or 50s. And now it, there's just been distraction to where you do the things that you're supposed to out of duty. You go to church. You might give every once in a while. You might try to you know, go to group every once in a while. You might try to do things, but man, life has captured you over here. Living in complacency. Comfort seeking. Not living for the eternal kingdom. And some of you, he's calling you back to that. 
Um, and so um, that's a beautiful gift. It's, it's been granted for you. Maybe, maybe suffering for you for the next year uh, is not someone beating you down, but it's you saying no to a few things that, does, that take time away from you being able to be just in deeper community, to, to be involved with people's lives that you, you, you truly just haven't given a rip about. That's normal. That's natural. And here, here, all of that, everything I described, that's so confrontive. Here's the beauty of this. Here's what the Gospel says. Jesus comes and goes, Hey, I see you. I see what you struggle with this week. I see you're prone to do that. I see your heart tending to be drawn to that. And look, I'm not mad at you. I'm not kicking you out. I gave my life for you. So you could be free from that. So you could live for eternal things. For you could live for me. You could live with me. That you could identify with me. And sometimes that's the scariest thing because you know He wants all of you. He's going, I want grace for you. I'm pouring out love to you. I'm not coming to condemn you. This is a harsh message. This is a, a paradigm shift. But look at the grace and the love that I've poured out. I've poured out my life for this. I want you. And I want you to want me. I want you to be captivated in me. And I want that to change you for eternal things. So maybe just saying no to some things. I'll help you. I'll walk you through that. Don't believe those lies. So that's what he was bringing up to me as this week as I was shocked. Fill in that blank with different things. For me to live is fill in the blank. I just go, why? I shouldn't even be a pastor. I shouldn't even claim to be a Christian. And not, no, I'm saying like horrible thing, but just if, if, if being this old and, and going like, why, why do you even desire this? Why do you even desire, why do you think that that would bring you so much meaning? It's not going to. It clearly doesn't. That's foolish. And so he's going, I love you. I've got grace for you. I know where you're at. I see what your heart's prone to. And I still love you. I still want to change you. So as we sing this song, we'll do a song. Let me pray and then we'll sing this song and we'll um, go to um, the Lord's Supper after that.